If you're anything like the two wildly average guys speaking into your ear today, you know the apparel game is saturated and really hard to find the product you love. We were fortunate enough to find Visionary Manufacturing, a custom apparel one-stop shop that's tailored just for you and your brand. If you're an entrepreneur, someone who's got a brand, help, or maybe even Piff Peterson, a viral kid on TikTok that was once our back pocket filmer, and need merch to send to your friends, look no further than Visionary Manufacturing. If you want to book through us, you want to get some custom deals, a sweet discount through the Back Pocket Boys, email us at backpocket at visionarymfg.com. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T at visionarymfg.com. Visit that link in the show notes. Welcome to the Marketing Intern Spotlight. A marketing intern is a listener who's spreading our message authentically. Hear their story, their passion, and their journey. Enjoy. Lisa Evanson, welcome to the Back Pocket Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. I've never gotten up this early on a Saturday. Ooh, <laughs> it's not even that early. And it's 12.05 <laughs> Time is subjective, Andrew. Ooh, I love that statement. Right off the bat. Thank you. Theoretical. <laughs> we're, going, we're getting right into it. <laughs> That real, was real existential. Yeah. That was the best way to start a podcast. Time is what did you say? It's con- subjective. Subjective. <laughs> My name is Lisa, and time is subjective. But hey, drop the mic. End of the podcast. Drop the mic. That yep. was it. Yeah. That's all we needed. Boom. Thank mm-hmm. you for coming on the I'll podcast. Unscrew Lisa. this so I can drop it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's give our marketing interns. So our marketing interns are our listeners and our learners of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give them a little background of Lisa so they can kind of vibe out to who Lisa is. Absolutely. Who am I? Okay. My name is Lisa. I'm a girl. Uh, I'm, <laughs> You're a woman. I'm a woman. Yes. Yeah. Not women. Uh, <laughs> I am 26 going on 27. My birthday's in 10 days and I really like cash. Um, What's I, your Venmo real quick? I think it's just Lisa Dash Evanson. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put it in the show notes for anyone that's Thank interested. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, cool. um, she likes cash. I like cash because um, my rent just went up. Anyways, I digress. Um I work in advertising. Um, prior to that, I was in the startup world. Uh, and then prior to that, I was a student at University of Minnesota. Go Gophers. And I'm born and raised here with the exception of one semester in Hawaii and one summer in Cleveland, Ohio. Wow. The rainbow state. Yes. Yeah. That's it. Um, what part of Minnesota are you from? Brooklyn Park. Right on the border with Brooklyn Center. And my parents split early. So I was BP, BC all the way. Went okay. to Champlain Park. Gotcha. Sam, you know those areas? Yeah. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's our local that keeps us rooted. Yeah, because Andrew. It. We're neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah, Wait, Sam knows everyone. Where did you grow up, Sam? Oh, I used to work. I worked there for a summer. Um, at Grant. No, no, Boston Pizza. Yeah. And now, now it's a Redstone. Oh yeah. Yep. He's familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great place to eat. I love that place. I've actually never been. I I'm either. like, you took my hotel. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, so Andrew's from Chicago. I'm from Denver. We're not we're not really tied to Minnesota, but Sam learning. is our root. He's he's our connection. He he just he understands the area, and uh, he knows Twins, everyone. Twin yeah. City Spirit Guide. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. But mm-hmm. in addition to your advertising and your other life, how mm-hmm. I met you mm-hmm. and how you got associated with the back pocket, comedy, stand up comedy, baby. Mm. So we got to talk about that. We do. Really probably start there. Yeah, absolutely. You know what the irony is? I didn't even think to mention that when you were like, give me an intro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're a comedian. <laughs> we're, and it's funny. That's funny because I'm still at this point where um, I'm new and I have this like need to feel like not like not not a need to be humble, but it's not yet an identity identity of I am. It's something I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh, good but point. Yes, it does take up a good chunk of my free time. Yeah. And it's um a struggle with a balance to this day and everything else going on in my life. But yes, love stand-up comedy. That's how I met Decky. Um, thanks to our friend Giselle Ugardi. Yep. Yeah. She she DM'd me. She was like, hey, uh, I have this buddy who wants to try stand-up for the first time. Can I send him your way? And I was, and my first thought, I was like, dude, if Giselle approves and they're friends, I know he's going to be a cool guy. Mm-hmm. And then when I met you, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is going to be like a permanent friendship. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't know yet, but he signed a lifelong contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I loved when you first reached out to Declan and you gave him like this this great piece of advice of like how to go about your first performance and he just didn't do it. <laughs> didn't follow your <laughs> What was the advice I gave yeah. him? Dude, I was so nervous. So you said like, Oh, you're going up at Acme for your first time <laughs> ever? Acme's like the biggest comedy place to go on Mondays in, in like in the Twin Cities, it's the biggest place. It's the place. And you told me like you just you're like you maybe you should try like going somewhere to warm up at a place that's easier and like more welcoming forgive, crowd welcoming crowd yeah. and then try your stuff at acme yeah. and that was the you told me that the day that i was going and i text andrew i'm like hey dude like i might call this cold comedy thing off uh tonight like yeah. lisa gave me this whole i'd like kind of how you should do it and like i might just reschedule to like thursday later that week and andrew's like no dude you're ready go do it and, that's and so i was loved. like all right, you. let's let's do it, dude. Like I'm, and that just like kicked me over the edge, and I went. Mm-hmm. I remember when I told you that I was worried I was going to kill your momentum, because like even though we hadn't met yet, I just could totally get that through the texting and preparing yeah. for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason it was, it wasn't entirely that Acme is such a big deal. It was more like it's hard to get on at Acme. Yeah. So maybe save it until it's really buttoned up, and then you can really, really shine, and then you're not going up your first time, you know. And you still did really well. But that way you're not like waiting another six months. Although I did find apparently a little secret is um, they really are all about consecutive signups there. Yeah. So you I, it took me eight months to get on. So like you, my first time was at Acme. However, it was in 2011. Whoa. And then I never did it again. Well, I did it once more. We don't talk about that time. It was the TBS comedy competition at the U. Okay. And it was just the worst experience ever. And literally not a soul came up because all my sorority sisters were at an exchange, hanging out with the frat guys. So I walked alone to Kaufman Union. Um, I was the only other girl in the lineup with the exception of like this like 35-year-old and her whole, whole bit was how she's technically still a student, but just like never finished, something like that. And it was super toxic and all the guys were competitive. And I'd been watching enough YouTube material where I was like, oh, at least half those guys stole their material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they made fun of me after and it was all audience vote based and it wasn't recorded. I don't remember what I talked about. Dang. So I walked home. So we don't, we don't talk about that, even though I literally just, just did on air. It, but, yeah. um, so my first time ever doing stand up were those two times in 2011. And in 2011, you, the first time you did it was because, um, was it, it was it what, a bear? Yeah. or what was the reason no. why you went up again? I was doing like, you know how that you have your gen ed classes. I was mm-hmm. doing like this gen ed art class. And our final project was, quote, art in the community. Okay. Like, some people literally sat on a park bench and were like, yeah, I watched strangers go by. Like, it could have been anything. Mm-hmm. It's subjective, as is time. And <laughs> Full circle. <laughs> so my thing, I was like, I've always wanted to go to a comedy show. I'll do that. And I was like, well, wait, I'm a broke freshman in college. I should go to a free open mic night. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to go to an open mic night, I might as well do the open mic night. And I remember telling that to my old creative director at my old agency. And he was like, "Mm, I think you made a leap of logic not a lot of people make there. (laughs) (laughs) But that's me. I'm like, if I'm going to do something, I need to optimize it. It's the same thing. Like when I travel, I like stress over the planning because I'm like, it's a, you know, once in a lifetime or at least short term, midterm. I Mm -hmm. need to optimize this. So that was my that was my attitude. I was like, well, I might as well do it if I'm going to go. And being in a sorority at the time, it was a, quote, big deal because you could only take off one formal dinner a semester, and those were on Mondays. So I had to get, like, special permission to miss formal dinner and meeting. And then word kind of spread, and they were like, you really shouldn't go alone. You should have support. So they allowed one other sorority sister to go with me. And we just, yeah, I've never been so nervous in my life up until the next first time I did stand-up eight months ago. Okay, so that was a good seven years in between seven years and then you got up what was the draw to get you back into comedy why were you like all right it's time to get back up there again seven years later that's so (laughs) funny you ask i really i didn't think about it much in those seven years it was just like a fun thing to mention at parties Mm -hmm. and i loved having that in my back pocket it was like that fun thing to like whip out if conversation dwindled you know um but what sparked it was my buddy nick hallett he was like yo dude i really want to try stand up do like have a recommendation and do you want to support me he didn't even like ask for help with the material he's just like do you want to like be there for when i do it and i was like yeah you should go to sisyphus i just i had just discovered sisyphus like a co-worker um introduced me to it and i was mm-hmm. like 
And you know, Declan, you've been seeing how poppin' it is now. It wasn't yeah. always like that. I know it wasn't, yeah. It's caught traction, like, okay. huge. And I think the winter draws people inside. Oh, yeah. But anywho, seeing him perform and then seeing other people, and I don't mean this in a mean way, but seeing them, like, not do, not crushing it gave me confidence to be like, oh, this is a place where, like, you don't need to crush it and people are just doing their thing. Why don't I do it again? So... Ask me another question while I take a sip of water. Yep. So you, you got back into comedy seven months ago, and then you got back up that first time. Wasn't an, Was that an experience that you're like, okay, you see how welcoming it is for your friends, but also now you feel welcomed into it mm-hmm. after doing it again? That community is just, it's an open community. You, you see people fail, fall on their face, but at the same time you see people crush it. And everyone's yes. like, all right, man, you got to get back up. It's just the reality. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's equal parts rewarding to witness. Um, what's funny is you get to know these people and they really do start to feel like family. I have two older brothers and, you know, a lot of, you know, the ratio of, you know, male to comics or male to female comics, mostly mostly dudes. But it's like almost kind of a comfortable space for me because it feels like an extension of my brotherhood sure. that sure. I always had growing up. Yeah. And what's funny is someone will be quote unquote bombing, but you'll hear all the comics in the back laughing They're butts off because we know them it's like seeing a family member do like kelly Berger. he's my favorite person to see go on at acme because the audience is like what's happening and we're in the back like dying (laughs) (laughs) dude that's how it was at sisyphus i went this past thursday and we were all just dying because the Corey was gone the guy who runs uh sisyphus he was gone and had some replacement and the mc literally forgot who like what the order was <laughs> and just saw one of the comics in the crowd that he knew was going on he's like all right tom you're up let's get it going and tom's like what the fuck dude like i'm fourth <laughs> he's like, and, like he came up after like tom went with it tom was like all right let's do this and like tom did well and then after he gets up he's like yeah sorry i like totally forgot the list like and just made this whole comedy yeah. bit about it the whole night it was so funny was it another comic uh yeah thing? Uh, for, his name was like Chris, maybe. I don't know. He run, He's an oh, MC. Oh, Matic. Yes. Chris Matic. Yep. Yeah. Love that dude. Mm-hmm. Anyways, but again, to your point, it's all family, dude. And it's so yeah. cool to like, I show up now at Sisyphus every week. And you know, you talk about the consistent grind. Like you showed up to Acme every single week, every Monday for eight months. And you didn't go. A well, it wasn't every single one. Okay. But, but like pretty damn close. <laughs> like, let's just put, put it this yeah. way. You were committed to show up to that place every day or every Monday mm-hmm. not, and not get on most times. And you had that one opportunity, which was last week. Well, that was like just triggered Eminem. You got one shot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> one chance, one opportunity, yeah. one moment to fail. So mom, yeah. mom <laughs> spaghetti. Mom spaghetti. Let's take a break. Look at the lyrics. Come back. <laughs> we'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> but to my point is like you really got to be dedicated and really got to love like the comedy atmosphere. And like you really and that's why when that love's involved, like now you're hanging out with all these people who also love it. And now you're just ta- shooting the crap with them every single day, shooting the shit. Yeah. With guys that are all in these different, come from all these different walks of life, and they're here to just try and make people laugh. And I think you just hit on something that really, really resonated with me. I was listening to this podcast. It's called Let's Talk About Sets. Um, I found it on, like, Reddit. I Googled, like, good comedy podcasts to listen to. Um, Like, because I wanted to find one that wasn't, like, like the people entertaining. I wanted to find one where they, like, talked about on the back end and, like, the science of it. So this one's really great for that. And... I might butcher it, but, and I forget the guy's name and I forget who he's quoting. I tried to Google it, couldn't find it, but the quote is, life is not about finding your passion. It's about finding that problem you are obsessed with solving over and over again. Mm. And that's comedy because that problem is the formula of the joke and figuring that out and being in your living room wondering, is this going to work and tinkering with it. And the longer you do comedy, the more you see it mathematically and that it's like the formulas. It's to the point where like I'll jot down in my notes like a good formula and I'll I'm like, okay, now I need to fill in the blanks. And then when I think of content from a story, you know, like a life event, you know, people it not until recently have I heard someone blatantly say, like, Oh, Lisa, your style on stage is conversational. Okay. Um that was gonna be one of my questions. What do you what what would you say your style of comedy is? And that conversational yeah. talking about everyday kind of experiences. Or how would you hone that in? What's funny is it's not necessarily every day. Like, I really try and hit on those weird life events that maybe other people haven't gone through. But it's the little things within that life event that they can relate to. Okay. And I always try and find, like, a silly lining to it. Um, 
like before I started or or I guess, you know, in those three weeks, you know, leading up to my first time, I was like, yeah, what, what do I think my style will be? And I, I, I told myself observational, kind of like the Jim Gaff again and all that stuff. And yeah, it was just interesting to hear people be like, oh, you're a conversational like style comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, you get up there and they're like people, you draw them in. There's just something about you that's kind of like girl next door friendly. They want to listen to what you have to say. Yep. And that was really empowering to be like, oh, I didn't know I had that draw and you know people talk about finding your voice and you'll hear like famous comedians say like oh at a minimum it takes like five years to find your voice and so I am by no means there I'm taking like incremental baby steps to getting there like for example if I'm writing and I notice like a good plug that might be kind of like a good political job deep in my veins that's not me like I just I'm not argumentative I I'm still kind of, I like grew up very, very, very conservative. I'm still in this phase of finding out like, who am I in comparison to this upbringing, that kind of thing. So it's something I try and hold sacred to myself and I'm still like, quote unquote, figuring out and like Mm -hmm. balancing that with like, you know, my Christianity, all that kind of thing. So that said, I don't really bring that to the stage and I like to keep it lighthearted. And when people go to a show, like I don't want to like be berating them with an opinion or something. And honestly, I'm just like not that hard opinionated about a lot of things you're conversationalist that's the best part right like I love to entertain I've always been the friend making people laugh and so that said it was really cool to hear that affirmed and so there have been times where like I've experimented on stage like I said a political jab and it's like flat and I think it's because they like they know it contrasts with like the vibe that I give off Mm -hmm. and some of my biggest laughs are actually when I ad lib um and what's funny is I I have never wanted to recreate those ad libs because I like I'm afraid they won't come off the same as when they genuinely were. Sure. Although at, at Acme, <laughs> I did. I tried to recreate the ad lib I had done at Sisyphus the week before, which was when I said <laughs> I was talking about I'm like, OK, so my boyfriend, he's Norwegian as in he's actually from Norwegian. And and that gets the. And their their laugh was so like rip roar. I hadn't used it in a while. It was like one of my yeah. first sets I ever did, mm-hmm. and it was one of those things that like as I was writing it, it was so natural. I'm like, this is stupid, but I'm gonna do it. And <laughs> and it had this like rip roar laughter that it on stage. I was so taken aback that I said, God, I can't believe that still gets a laugh every time. And then they laughed again. I was like, I'm not even dating him anymore. I just use him for jokes. They laughed again. I was like, we broke up last summer. They laughed again. And then I have since used a tag, like, he moved back to Norwegia, you know, and, <laughs> and you're dying, Declan. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. It's about silent laughing, too. It's about yeah. silent laughing. Because you want the, everyone else to laugh. Yeah, but yeah. You, you don't want to hear everyone just hear you laugh. But, dude. But what's funny tried to recreate that at acme yeah. but the night i got on was the polar vortex night ne- literally negative and you 40. have to talk about it right yeah yeah <laughs> no like no one did that's what was funny but, but yeah point that's is a, it was already sorry inside mm-hmm. joke inside joke so you guys had to witness that, yeah. that so bad podcasting. <laughs> what's funny is acme 99 percent of the time it's like packed to the walls i think they i can never remember how many they see it it's at least 200 yeah, 200. It's 200 sounds right. 250 maybe. Yeah, 250 I think tops. Um and it was like half capacity and you can still have a half room and like great laughter, but mm-hmm. it, it was kind of like laxadoozle, you know. Yeah. I don't know if that's a word, but um and so when I got on stage, like I did fine. Like the recording from the back of the room sounds like I'm bombing. You can't even hear their laughs, but my recording on my phone from on the stage, I'm like, "Oh, okay. That was fine." Mm-hmm. But I recreated the Oh, I can't believe that gets a laugh every time. I'm not even dating anymore. I use them for jokes, and the, and it was just like, oh fuck, that didn't was feel so, the same. Yeah, it was yeah. unnatural. And like another comic called that out. He's like, oh, I would tweak that, and I explained to him. I was like, I was just trying to recreate something that happened last week, and he's like, maybe don't try and do that like the next week. Oh, dog me. <laughs> yeah, but it was a tight three minutes, and it just mm-hmm. felt the best. Okay, so you're hitting on something that I've been talking about for a while, or just been thinking about, and it's this idea of um, comedy. When you boil it down, is something that you want to that you're passionate about that you want to show on stage. So like I'll think of something, I'll write something down, a life event will happen to me, etc. and I'll think I'll find something funny in that story. And then I'll write it down, I'll record myself saying it, and then I got to go up on stage and no one has any context, no barely know who I am and I have to convince that that's funny. Mm-hmm. And so 
comedy a lot of times relies heavily on what you are believing in and what you're confident at that time and place. Like you said, you were ad-libbing, just kind of building on that story that was yours and you Mm -hmm. were like passionate about it at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So like for me, like if I were to recreate the Uber bit, like I don't know if that would make any sense. Like I'm not passionate about that story right now, but right now I'm on Mm -hmm. this climate change bit that I've been working on for three weeks and I just like think it's so funny and it's cold outside and like I'm just working and I showed Andrew part of it and I showed Andrew like one of my bits and that was the last part and he's like I think you got some with that climate change thing so I took it ran with it now Mm -hmm. I'm running with it currently and like I care about that and now I'll ad lib on stage with all the things that I've thought about and I bet that's the part that'll be fun yeah like writing on stage Um, yes writing on stage perfect a friend he gifted me some books they're like from like the 90s or something they're really old but like what those comics are talking about still applies and um sure wow i'm totally blanking on her name she's an icon anyways she was talking about how or like it was a QA style and one of the questions was like did you ever write on stage and she was like i only wrote on stage and that blew my mind because that wow. takes such cojones to do yeah. it's so vulnerable like i can add like i'm amazing in my living room you guys like mm-hmm. i have my fake microphone it's my and because it's shaped like one. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's shaped just like one. <laughs> but it, it gives the right effect, right? You got to like recreate it as best yep. as you can. Do and you like... take it off like a stand? So like, you, like you're walking up there and it's like just like you're. <laughs> I take it out of its silk case. <laughs> Most microphones aren't purple. <laughs> So yeah, so when you when you envision yourself walking up there and actually at Acme, you're envisioning the purple mic just because it's it's what you do. <laughs> I can't believe I just shared that. <laughs> that is so funny. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Now I'm just that's gonna be stuck in my head now when I see you on show, yeah. uh, like Sisyphus next someone's, week. Someone's like, you should talk about that on stage. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You talk about that on a podcast, yeah. not stage, Dan. Yeah. There's so much I don't share on stage because. Okay, kind of tapping back into a serious note, like my friends and especially my family, my mom specifically comes to a lot of my shows and I am always very cognizant of like how what I'm saying, does that align with my character and not just my character, but what I stand for, like when like mm-hmm. as a Christian, right? Yeah. Um, and it was really cool to watch Jeff Asmus at his show because he's like, as his opener said, he's like, oh, Jeff thinks if you don't believe in God, you're stupid. And, but Jeff talks about like, Like, it's clear that he is a Christian on stage. He, like, literally brings up a Bible and, like, has jokes. But they are, like, rip, roar, way past PG-13 appeal. Like, he's a funny, witty guy that is not playing it safe and not not, um, being this, like, all holy. Like, he's the exact opposite. I don't even know how to describe him. He's just, like, he can seer through any joke, like, with pure wit. And he's so funny and it's so effortless. So that was eye-opening for me to be, like, oh, you can still be a Christian and, like, get wild on stage you know because a lot of people tell me they're like you play it really safe and I'm like but part of that is I'm also trying to break this stereotype of what it means to see a woman on stage yes um and I I love the way you pronounce woman by the way (laughs) (laughs) thank (laughs) singular just wait till I get plural (laughs) wait till we start talking about women Did we even record that? Are we no, inside we did. joking? Yeah, it's yeah. an inside joke. Yeah. yeah, everyone's like, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So let's address it. Okay. Now that we've already talked about it. So you said when you were in Hawaii studying abroad, is that right? It's technically not abroad. On exchange. Oh, sorry. To <laughs> it. I haven't studied abroad a few times, but we won't get to that. Sick brag. Yeah. Um, Anyways. <laughs> is that what? We- okay, so. Woman, so you were getting made fun of because your Min- how Minnesotans pronounce woman. Yeah, so we say singular woman and plural woman the same. Mm. And then I got called out by my friend Julia. She's like, "Dude, it's women." Say, and she's like, "Say it with me, women." Women. And then, like, I literally had to say it a few times before she's like, "All right, you got it." Yeah. I'm like what? And then I can't stop listening now that I'm home, and it's been four years, five mm. years. Um, I can't stop listening to how people say it. It's ingrained. So maybe we should get a vote. We should like I don't know how you guys we'll do pull this. That. Yeah, we'll, we'll pull, pull that. Pull it. Yeah, yeah. Do a great say, debate. Do you say woman or women plural? Mm-hmm. Mm. I just want to stop for a second and talk about roots. I take a lot of pride in where I come from, which is why I roll with Skyline Specs. They're a company rooted here in Minnesota. That's purpose is to inspire people by linking them to their home. 
Skyline Specs features a city skyline etched into each pair with their wooden templates. They have seven featured skylines in five different styles of specs, but they're totally customizable. Whether you need them for friends, family, coworkers, or parish members, Skyline Specs is there to help you rep your roots. So go check them out at SkylineSpecs.com. That's S-K-Y-L-I-N-E-S-P-E-C-S. Dot com. Sorry for that tangent. I had to address yeah. it. Yeah, we'll address circle it back. Mm-hmm. Ring it in. Okay, Ring where were we? That's that's our job. Anyways, Andrew, you got it. Yep. Okay. So we're, we were talking about how you now are on stage balancing kind of like how you want your your values and what you were brought up in and bringing that on and showing how women in mm-hmm. comedy sh- not should be portrayed but could be portrayed. Like this is, this is the reality. Like yeah. this is just another person up on stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of can't women (laughs) i'm having like a crisis now a lot of women feel the need to be like make it known and like talk about and that's fine it's more just like i'm not gonna get on there and talk about my pussy like that's just not me and i might have a joke related to that but like the word i think of is like i i like to be silly and it's the same reason why i'll never i'll never be the girl with like the perfect makeup or the perfect hair or the wardrobe like I working agency life can be like I'm self-conscious because I'm like dude I don't I also don't care enough to be like hip I'm more just like I want to be comfortable and just do me and again with the older brother thing like I'm just not a girly girl um and not to say that if you talk about your private parts you're a girly girl what I'm saying is like it's not I've never felt this need to like own my womanhood if that makes sense and um I'll never forget I read this article um about God, it's only because I'm thinking about it on air. I'm blanking. SNL. I will think of her name later. Kate Mc- <coughs> McKinnon? No. Uh, um, she's the <laughs> African-American woman. Yep, very I know who you're talking about. In charge. Mm-hmm. What's her name again? Wow. Okay. I was just telling the story to someone yesterday. Anywho. We'll she, come back to it. She said in an article, um, I think I Googled like, how to make it in comedy as a female. And <laughs> I love that, though. That right? That. Yeah. Awesome. It's just like. No. Okay. You will. Little, it'll come to me tonight when I'm sleeping. He's learning how to become a producer that when someone says, look something. What's it? Leslie Jones? Yeah, Leslie Jones. Thank you. Thanks, Sam. You're learning. You're learning, dude. Good work, Sam. Embarrassing. I couldn't think of her name. But she said a lot of women get on stage and they feel the need to be like, I am a female. Hear me roar. And she's like, just be funny. Mm -hmm. Just be funny. And I was talking to this with, um, actually, I don't want to say his name um, because it was like a special conversation. We got brunch the other day and he was talking about, he goes, I know how I look. I know when I get on stage, I'm this scary black guy and I maybe, you know, look rough around the edges. He goes, I don't have what you have, Lisa, where you can get on stage. And you're like that girl next door. He goes, I'm intimidating. And it's not in my, it's not natural for me to like be friendly. And he talked about how he feels like what he can and can't talk about. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, just be funny. And like, not jokingly, like haters going to hate. He gets a lot of hate. And I'm like, yeah, but are you making them laugh? And I gave him some tips and, you know, things like, hey, I noticed when you get on stage, the first thing you do is you you alienate the audience. And I said, you can say, and I gave him the example, of like another African-American comic who I'm like, he, he, for some reason he can play that card. I can't put my finger on it. You guys could say the exact same thing when you get on stage. He gets away with it. It's not alienating. You say it and it just feels like more of an attack. And we kind of talked about the difference where this other guy we're talking about was more almost like he kind of has this like sitcom character. He really like plays things up. Whereas mm-hmm. my friend I'm talking about again, not saying his name just in case, but like he's He's just, like you said, he's not this chipper dude. He's not really, like, getting into a character. He's just trying to keep it real. Mm-hmm. And, again, not that this other guy isn't. Everyone's keeping it real on stage, right? But it's to a degree of, like, you know, in the same way Amy Schumer, people used to give her a lot of shit because they're like, are you really this dumb girl? She's like, no, I was a character. Um, and that was one of the first questions I ever got asked. I think it was, like, my first night at Sisyphus. Someone's yeah. like, oh, so... Like, have you thought about, like, are you going to be a character on stage or are you going to be yourself? As if it was, like, a choice I had to make right then. Yeah. And I thought that was so... Weird. Not the right way to approach it. Right. Correct? You could argue. Okay. It, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking... I want to say it was Chloe Radcliffe. She and I were talking a bit about that, too. I think it was, like, my third time ever, and it was at Bunny's. 
and um, she was just getting ready to move to New York. And so it's, I'm bummed we didn't cross paths sooner. But she, if you guys don't know her, she like, she was like the girl who was like on every show here, you know, just like, right. you know, raised herself to the top of the scene. And now like, it's very early to move to New York after three years, but she's pursuing oops, her comedy dream mm-hmm. um, in New York City and she's crushing it. But anyway, she she talked to me about that too. She's like, "Have you thought about it? Are you going to be like full authentically Lisa on stage, mm-hmm. or are you going to try and like play up this character?" I think it goes yeah. back to what you kind of said in that article that you read of how life's not about following your passion; it's about finding that problem that you want to solve over and over again, and how much comedy plays into that. And like, just from me, from never standing up on the stage and just following Declan for the past four months, and then hearing about all the other people he's engaged with, and listening to uh, Brendan Schaub and Theo Vaughn and Joe Rogan and all those guys. Like, I listen to their podcast every single day. All of those guys. So mm-hmm. I, I'm like invested in a comedy without even doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, how much the math and the science that you've talked about right in the beginning of the show is in is in place in every single bit that you do and how thoughtful it is like people think that it's just going up there and like trying to be funny no the people that are good at comedy have so much thought in that goes into it and it's truly comes from like they're inside like they like they love what they're talking about and it's incredible when you can find an entertainer that um has that ability to just light up a room through laughter that is I think one of the coolest attributes to have in like your Rolodex of skills to make someone laugh, like make a room full of people laugh. What? It's the coolest sensation in the entire world. Mm -hmm. Aside from like that privacy of the living room with your fake microphone and writing that joke and being like kind of having that aha because like your intuition gets better. The longer you do it, you just get a better sense for what will work. I would say that stays in a safe zone, right? Mm Because I still write things where I'm like, oh, I have no idea. I have not a clue. And that is still what I would say I struggle with. I'm scared to try a lot of that material. I kind of stay in that zone of like, nah, I got a good feeling. Like there are times where like I'll go on at Sisyphus or CCU and it's like all new material and comics are like, dude, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, but stage time is precious. They're like, you should be hitting mics enough where stage time is not precious. You Mm -hmm. should be grinding and saving your best stuff for, for these mics. But again, life and balance. I still haven't mastered that. And a lot of, a lot of people in the community, they um, like I always get made fun of. They're like, oh, I always forget you have like a big kid job. I'm like, yeah, that's why I'm not hitting up Galactic or Terminal after Sisyphus every Thursday. I can't afford to get home at 2 a.m. And wake um, up the next day. It's 7 or 8. Go to work. Yeah. yeah the irony is I have the worst insomnia. So I'm usually up that late anyways. Dang. But yeah. um, where were we? Anyways, Thanks you were. Anyway. We were talking about. Yeah, go ahead. Um. Well, we could transition with that as well, but there's some things with the back pocket wants to get into. The yeah. core questions. We got some core too. questions that we yeah. like to ask. We back to our roots. Back to our roots. It's taken a while to get there because I love what we were talking about yeah. and I don't want to break stride, um, but that needs to be mentioned. So the first question we always ask um, that's back pocket core question is what's your average quality? And we framed it to you kind of off air. It's what you do well at times and other times not so well. Mm-hmm. So Lisa, what would be your uh, your average quality? I got two for you. I wasn't sure if you wanted like physical and mental emotional, so I've got both. Okay. First one, I'm the world's most average softball player. Mm. Mm. You put me on your rec team league, I will be very inconsistent, but when I shine, I shine, and when I'm bad, you're going to want to kick me off the team. But you have your moments. I do. Mm-hmm. I played for 11 years. What? And I, 11 years? In rec league softball? The, uh, the Brooklyn Center softball association doesn't exactly have um doesn't it didn't recruit let's just say if anyone had potential in my neighborhood they played in the champlain dayton leagues i had the coaches who like reluctant i didn't learn how to line my knuckles until my 10th year playing because i finally played on like a more competitive team i was i became better in that 10th year than i ever did the years leading up to it wow and I was inconsistent hitting the ball because I didn't know you're supposed to line your oh, knuckles because yeah. no one taught me for 10 years. You just flying off the seat of your pants playing softball. Yes. What position were you playing? Kind of probably everywhere, but where did you find your like, utility? Was, <laughs> yeah. I was usually pitcher and second. Really? Okay. Nice. And then when I played on that competitive. Second w- is scary, by the way. Balls come in hot. I think shortstop is scariest. Worst. That's the toughest position. Tough. To play. Yeah. Yes. And like, and first, because you always got to be like, all right, I got to catch up. But yeah. and you got to lean. You got to get those yeah. like flexibility, like stretches. First yeah. base is tough. Second is the shins. I always had shin bruises. But 
when I played on this team, they were like a family. They'd been playing together their whole life. So I was just straight up right field like <laughs> or the bench. Yes. <laughs> My mom, even she's like, I had a talking with your coach. And I was like, no, don't stir the pot. And then uh, she was like, he told me that you're just as good, if not better, as the girl who plays second. But he can't do that because they're like family. I'm like, mom, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> don't ruin this for me. Yes. I don't even know how to run bases, to be honest. I played <laughs> softball for four years and like beer league softball for four years and do not know how to uh, to make that happen. Yeah. So uh, I'm screwed. We can work mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. It's just. Um, yeah. No, don't worry. Okay. Um, anybody like. That's so funny. I love that average quality. What's your other one? My other one, we're getting a little deep here. I would say my average quality is like loving myself mm. and working through what I'm confident and not confident in. Like I would say if there was a go-to example, it'd be like looking in the mirror being like, I'm kind of cute. And then you turn the cheek. All right. Just at that angle, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> just this like inconsistency of, of loving myself and no i'm not referring to the fake microphone um i'm great at that but like it's (laughs) it's the self-confidence thing and like even just last night i ran into ira ford at top 10 liquors and i walk in he's like lisa evanson and then he helped me find some wine for me my my friend that night this was last night and then as i'm checking out he's like oh if i can't do this show do you want my spot and i was like what's the date and i was like oh sorry that's when my my Bible study team like you know kicks back up, and he looked at me. He went from like smiling to like dead serious. He's like, Bible study? I thought you were Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, how, how do you working, respond to that? Everyone yeah. working there and everyone in line just like looked to see how I would react. And I looked at him, and Ira is a big, tall black man. And I said, Ira, is it because of my nose? Because that's racist. <laughs> And then I walked out. <laughs> I love that because I know Ira and he's funny as hell. <laughs> and like to everyone else, you're like, geez, that's a tough story. But like comics, like that's family. That's it's family. Just, that's that's family. just family, dude. That's, that's hilarious. That was my upbringing. <laughs> so. I, that's incredible. Yeah. I think but I think comedy for you is what's in your back pocket. So I was going to ask this question, but I think we know the answer. It's like. You, you're, Let's see you, what her answer is. Yeah, don't, well, get, don't we'll put words you. in her mouth. I won't put words in her mouth. I just, Yo, I just we're close, but we're not that close. Yeah, <sighs> good point. You I shouldn't have said it there. My my whole point was just like you're using comedy to like really be confident in what you're trying to do with your life and mm-hmm. like yourself. You're using like the self confidence is what you need in comedy to be funny a lot of the times. Yeah, and now you're, it's, you're that's just an active weekly practice for you now. It's true, and of like all industries, right? Comedy is that one space where i think it's okay to look however you want to look because yeah. you can play that up right mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. every time so fun fact i actually went so far as to google and then drive to a plastic surgery clinic um this was maybe two years ago to look into like get evaluated for rhinoplasty because i was like at this breaking point oh man and uh and what's funny is he i get there and he's like oh and he's like touching me he's like you have really bad skin He's like, I don't, I don't even know if you would notice a difference because your skin is so thick and porous. And then he just, I was like, dude, like you're not helping the original region. I'm even here. Mm-hmm. And then um, he's like, you know what I would do for free if you if you got this and a chin implant, I'd give you free, um, whatever the word is for when they like suck the fat out of your neck. And I just liposuction. It, I, I don't know. And I, I was like, in the, and I started to cry. And then he goes. So if you're really serious about this, um, I'd like to see you not crying because clearly it's still an emotional thing for you. And I really need people in a good headspace. And I was like, dude, no. I was like, just get me out of here. Yeah. And I walk out and the lady at the front, she's like, how was your experience? And like, we're talking and I like start to walk out. She's like, oh, ma'am, that'll be $75. Yeah. For the evaluation. For the constants. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. First off. That guy stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and he also called out my ears. I was like, dude, this is the worst decision I've ever made because yeah. now I can't. Oh. Yeah. What, uh, a, what a loser. That so, guy sucks. I know that's like his job and like that's what he's like supposed to, but you, what what a low life. Right. Yeah. So I bring up that story because that's where I was two years ago, right? Like, and we live in this world of social media where like we can get to those breaking points to so the point where I was like, would I rather save up this money for vacation or shell out eight grand? Or a nose job and then like doing comedy has been the most fulfilling thing and rewarding thing because I realized like I can just be who I am on stage mm-hmm. and people 
they they want to know if you're funny and they want to hang out with you no matter what you look like and Declan you can attest to this and Andrew like just from going to the shows people come in all shapes sizes colors backgrounds walks of life styles deliveries ambitions all over and it's the most beautiful thing and like almost every night I just like I say a prayer I'm like thank you God for getting me into comedy because it's wonderful oh Dude, my, God. And my hair standing up that is say that type of stuff because that is an awesome moment that's incredible mm-hmm. like that is so true and it's awesome to hear that and um just like a quick example was your fire in your house <laughs> and then the LASIK how you just got LASIK and you literally did a show a bit with your LASIK fast <laughs> sunglasses on i wish we had the picture we should pull it up or something so andrew could see it but it is hysterical it. and just kind of reinforces the whole point of like hey you can go up however you want to look this is a great example of just like send it dude and <laughs> i was arguably that was one of your funnier bits that i saw so. i appreciate that that I was do. hilarious appreciate that i think um and i want to bring up this next one because it was like you know hairs raised for me when i yeah. heard it I was texting with Corey because, like, literally, if I miss Sisyphus, I have the worst FOMO, and I will text Corey. I'm like, how's the show? Or I'll text you. Like, you, the last, like, two weeks, I haven't been able to go. And I was like, dude, was it packed? Who was there? Send me a picture of the list. Like, I just want to know what went on. Um, but so one of those nights, I was asking Corey how the show was. And um, and he's like, oh, yeah, I was really busy. A lot of re- resolutioners. So, like, it having been January, people, like, yeah. have that on their bucket list. And... Um, and I was like, I have a random question. Oh, yeah. He's like, a lot of them probably won't stick around. I was like, I have a random question for you. Like, are you surprised that I stuck around? And he goes, I always knew you had, like, the potential and that you should. I just didn't know if you wanted to. And then he goes, but I knew when that changed. He goes, I know this set. Then I knew you are going to stick around. I was like, whoa, what was that? And he goes, it's when you came in and you did New Kids, which is a 10-minute set. It was my first 10-minute set. He goes, you had just been laid off the day before. You came in and you crushed venting. And that, to me, was so... Oh, my mind was blown. And I had never been so touched before because you, we talk about styles. I've never felt like I'm not I'm not a Bill Burr. I'm not, like, angry venting style. And even if you watch the video, it's on YouTube, uh, you, uh, I'm not, like, getting angry but I'm like step by step recounting this thing that had just happened the day prior and my first four minutes were about getting laid off and then I kept shaping that I kept fine-tuning it and that was like the magnum opus of my material up until that point Mm -hmm. and I was so grateful I'd been laid off because I really was like trying I was struggling tapping into like realness and and bringing me on stage and we talked about the voice thing I was like why was that laughter so it was the most electric performance I've had. And I was like, oh, I think I'm tapping into something. Because when I wrote that, I would compare it to, like, when you write a, uh, a wedding speech. And, like, you kind of know where jokes will go, but it's just so natural. You're writing about someone you know and love. I was writing about this experience that I was close to, and it was so natural for me to write about. And then so personal and tell it in that conversational style that then Corey was like, yeah, that was you tapping into your style. And he goes, it's the dragon we all chase and you're going to keep on chasing it. Mm. It's the problem you're going to keep trying to solve. Yeah. Oh man. This is That's, getting so deep. How cool is it that Corey was just like that thoughtful to like yeah. give you that type of response? Because mm-hmm. that's so meaningful when someone can truly tap into your comedy career and say, this is when I actually saw like, Hey, this is, you're real. Like, this is your real passion, and you're and it's showing. Corey is the reason why, in 2011, to never have done it again, I did well. And I, I did probably even better my second time. But the difference is that in 2011, no one came up to me after the show and, like, reaffirmed what had just happened. After my first time at Sisyphus, Corey came up to me, and you know him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not like a, you know. Like he's, he's not your giddy guy. No, he's not going to gas you he's up for a great no reason. guy, though. He pulled me aside after the show and he like looked me square in the eye and he goes, you are funny. You, you have what it takes. Like he went through this whole spiel. He's like, you, you have what it takes, Lisa. Like you can make it whether one time or a hundred times you are a stand up comic. Now I want to see you at new kids. I want you. And he like went through the whole list of like what I needed to keep doing. And, um, and then he like, he gave me one critique. He goes, you can kind of tell you're kind of like, uh, uh, like gassing yourself up like before a joke. And that was just the nerves. But like he's like I want to I want to see you back. That is the reason I'm still doing 
comedy because the nerves were still oh my god they were so horrible that first time I was so sick um I had to miss I had to leave client meetings that like early that day because I had to go to the bathroom like I had mm-hmm. to pop like two emodium just to get on stage I almost passed out I almost blacked out it was a blessing and a curse to have a lot of friends there because it added to the pressure but I also felt supported and loved mm-hmm. and um but it took me another month to get back on stage because I was like why would I put myself through that again and then I kept thinking about what Corey had told me and I was like whoa I know he doesn't just say that to anyone mm-hmm. I need to right we talk about the self-confidence thing I'm like I, I had to have this moment with myself where I'm like he wasn't just being nice so I need to take that for the value that it is and keep getting after it that's awesome Lisa your story has been awesome we're, we're running out of time okay um we have two final questions so first off I'll breeze through them um thank you so much for coming on the show like this has been incredible you are you're coming back on the show because this is the most <laughs> this is one of the more casual feelings I've ever had for the like the marketing intern spot like all of them are tremendous I'm not knocking anything but like just this talking comedy I don't get to do it all the time because I'm yeah. not involved with it but learning and hearing your story just like snaps all around thank it's you awesome. guys yeah if I could boil it down to just one word though like this last five minutes kindness andrew and i were talking last night about how um you went did a activity at work about a brainstorm for a company a brain yeah yeah so it was like ca- making kindness contagious and exactly yeah. and it was like what's one kind act that someone did for you when you were little and like what was that one kind act and it's stuck and it's still stuck with you like Corey went the distance mm-hmm. and made a kind act for you mm-hmm. or like was kind to you mm-hmm. and that propelled you to wh- where you are now yep and we all have those stories Ooh, it, I, like that. Yeah. I like that we all yeah. have those mm-hmm. stories of those kind acts that people do for us yes we all need to be kinder to each other mm-hmm. i'm so not kidding right now like we just need to spread more love and that's why i once i'll never forget someone told me i overheard someone saying they thought i was kind of fake because i'm like i was complimenting people and they thought that was my way of like schmoozing people and i was like dude i've been given compliments that we're just on the fly or something and that person will never know that I think back to it and it helps me when I'm looking in that mirror and I'm feeling down on myself to be like no someone felt the need to say that to me it must be true yes and that's why I'm always trying to pass that along it's awesome oh man it's no secret the back pocket boys were beer guys whoa we are beer guys however sometimes there's a time and place when I'm a beer guy because sometimes I got you know heartburn coming (laughs) Did this just turn into a heartburn solution ad? Ooh, it, it might have. All right, well, eh, let's just roll with it. Let's roll with this one. Okay, I mean, your your solution is to heartburn is Lincoln Drink. Oh, that's a good point. Lincoln Drink can solve my heartburn. What is Lincoln Drink? Lincoln Drink, dude, you're just sitting around having a couple beers, getting some heartburn, but at the same time, dude, you're having these great conversations with motivators, your entrepreneurs, hustlers, these people that are just your age going to get it around you in the Twin Cities. Lincoln Drink, a great collaboration opportunity. And if you're listening to this ad, I challenge you to ask me about my heartburn. Lincoln Drink 004 is at Finnegan's Bruco on May 8th. That's Lincoln Drink 004 at Finnegan's Bruco, May 8th. Okay. We need like eight hours. <laughs> That's we why we'll have her on again. Yeah, <laughs> but let's get to these two questions. Yeah. First one is, we're trying to challenge ourselves with this season and get on guests that we didn't think were possible. Is there someone that you think we should tap into? You're like, oh, this guy would be, or woman would be tremendous to have on our show. Shoot. You and, didn't prepare me for this one, Doug. Oh, th- think offline and get back to us if you yeah. want to take it that route too. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Um, if you had to think... Let me ask you, is there one area of life that you would love to find someone, whether it's like a certain industry or with a certain one-off experience? Is there someone that you're trying to get on in a special area? I think it boils down to personalities and people that would want to share their story. And maybe they don't feel comfortable doing it on a podcast, but will help make it comfortable. Someone that you think has a sweet story. They don't have to be super famous. They could be someone that's right in your backyard right like in your a per- backyard, someone that has like someone that you love yes. right someone that you truly care about if you have someone like that that you think other people should care about and hear that's who we want on our show yeah. that's who we want on our show mm-hmm. Ooh, you know who i i've only met her once we became insta friends and then we finally met um hillary klein she okay. i think she and i share similar experiences in terms of like how people have treated us and like 
the girls we were in school and whatnot. And okay. um, I definitely have a supportive family. And like, that's one thing she, she and I talked about. She's like crushing it in her career. She does um, like, she's on the news all the time for like their makeup sessions and whatnot and does okay. like runway stuff and hillary klein hillary klein okay. i think she'd be really great and she can really is speak. she local yeah she's local perfect yeah that's awesome yeah we'll look into that yeah um and then the last question is what did you learn today from the moment you woke up to when we're having this conversation i learned today that i mean i love so much that you guys are all about like we're just wildly average you guys are the epitome of the difference between someone looking at their phone in their bedroom with jealousy of someone doing something with their lives and being like, I'm funnier than them. I could do that. What's the difference? Taking action. You guys took action. And here you are. And I remember I loved your Instagram story where someone left a one-star review that was like, eh. And you're like, dude, I just give us the feedback. Like, you guys are so hungry to improve. Mm-hmm. The difference between you and people being like, I could be doing that. You, you just took the first step. And you've been taking – it's – you got moving is better than not moving at all. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. momentum. I've learned that like just taking the step. And for me right now, it's saying yes to every show. I just booked my first 15 minute show. Oh, and congrats. I, I got it. Where at, by the way, so people can go and. Yeah, for sure. So it's actually at K90s on March 1st. Um, it's like sugar spice and almost everything nice. It's another all female lineup. Um, you guys should come to. We'll be there. Ollie Sultan's uh, album recording. I'll be opening for him one of the openers um on the 20 he's the recording is the 22nd and the 23rd i'm doing it the 23rd you should still go the 22nd because ahmed kalaf he's one of the openers he's one of my favorites i love ahmed and then i'm doing a show february 8th um at artworks in egan also with ollie and um a slew of other people that's february 8th yeah in egan okay Mm -hmm. and if people want to find you on social or anywhere do you want to plug your Instagram handle or anything? Yeah. Oh, one, one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Friday, February 15th, tune in. I will be a guest host for a morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on Go 96.3. Congrats. So, thank you. So yes, tune in go. that morning. This this was like great practice, practicing and just like mm-hmm. free flowing. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, social plug, Instagram. It's just it's Lisa Marie, but Lisa, L-E-E-S-A-W, Marie. That'll be in the show notes. In the show notes. You'll cool. See uh, I don't really, me- I don't mess with Twitter that much, but still it's Lisa, but instead of an L, it's a seven. So it's seven ISA. Great. No worries. Sweet, dude. Awesome. Well, that's yeah. a wrap. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks, guys. Coast in my heart, right where I'm into from the start. It's so much warmer than the secrets you've been holding in. And don't you look at me sideways with those eyes, always acting like you ain't got the time. I can't imagine trying to carry what you hold inside. But ooh, you got a reason to sing, and ooh, you're finally listening. Cause you can't hold on to what's inside your